Welcome to Mazum Gumzo, African Scholarly Conversations, a podcast that highlights the perspectives of various stakeholders in academia and research fields across Africa through open dialogue on Mazum Gumzo on scholarly communication in Africa. Today's episode features an engaging session on a roundtable discussion on African perspectives on peer review by Dr. Raul Kamajo of the Pan-African Medical Journal, Dr. Stella Osoro Kerongo, researcher and clinical psychologist at Kenya Power and Lightning Company, Mr. Nicholas Alta of Writing Hub Africa, and Professor Ruth Onyango of African Journal of Food, Agriculture, Nutrition and Development. Welcome everyone. We are live as we begin, as we celebrate uh, Peer Review Week. And this time we have amazing speakers as we are going to talk about African perspectives on peer review. And this will be a roundtable discussion, uh, round discussion with, uh, with researchers uh, from Africa, sharing with us their views on peer review and what needs to be done, what needs to be improved, and how we can make the best out of peer review in supporting uh, African research output and uh, at the end of the day, African research visibility. Uh, with us are our partners uh, are from Africa Archive, IDA Africa, and also pre-review. Without further and uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to our colleague, to my colleague, uh, Dr. Um, Aurelia, I mean, Dr. Daniela Saderi from Pre-Review, who is going to take us through the code of conduct and the participation guidelines. Uh, Daniela, please take over. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Joy. And thanks everybody for joining. And thank you uh, uh, to the speakers who joined us today. Uh, just before we start, uh, a little bit of logistics. Um, and so the, this event uh, follows uh, pre-reviews code of conduct. And uh, it's because all our, uh, our, us organizers are committed to maintaining an harassment free space. And we want to make sure that everybody feels safe and uh, respected in their uh, thoughts. So it's going to be a round table. It is OK if we don't all have the same, uh, obviously, the same ideas. But we want to make sure that we talk respectfully and respect um, each other's opinions. Um, so by staying on this call, you all agree uh, to, this, um, uh, to this code of conduct. Um, Oh, start my video. I will start my video. Uh, just one second. Here we go. Hi. Um, and if you do experience uh, evaluation, there has been cases in which uh, some people were um, uh, targeted uh, direct messages on Zoom. Uh, please feel free to uh, uh, send a direct message via the Zoom chat to either me or um, Aurelia Munene, and we will um, telling us what happened in the name of the person, and we will uh, act accordingly. Hopefully nothing will happen. We're all here for a friendly conversation on peer review. Uh, this call, as you may have seen, is, is now live stream on TCCC Africa Facebook page. Uh, so in case your uh, connection drops, you can try um, you can try to reconnect here, but also uh, maybe uh, try going to Facebook page to continue um, uh, recording. And there will be a space for you to also um, uh, interact there in the chat and ask questions. Um, we are also recording uh, this, uh, this uh, call right now, and the video will be shared on uh, the host organization's platforms, uh, such as the Africa Archive, PubPub, um, 
platform and we will send you the links after this call. Um, we ask you to please mute your microphone. Uh, uh, a lot of you have already done that, so thank you so much. And if you're not uh, one of the invited speakers, um, we ask you that you please turn off your video when you're not speaking so that we can all um, share the bandwidth. And if you have a question, you're welcome to put your question in the Zoom chat. There will be um, myself and um, other organizers monitoring the chat. Uh, at all time. Uh, you also are welcome to raise your uh, virtual hand uh, on Zoom and we will um, uh, organize, the facilitators will invite you to speak when it's the time. Uh, the event will last uh, 19 minutes, so I think we have another, uh, yeah, almost the whole time, so we're doing great on time. And we will begin with speakers' introductions and then move to moderated Q&A. Uh, we're going, we have a little bit of questions in our back pockets, but we're all really here to also have uh, and welcome your questions and comments so we can have a participatory conversation. My time is off, so thank you so much. And I will have, uh, hand it over. Oh, no, actually, before I do that, <laughs> uh, just very briefly um, uh, about uh, pre-review. Uh, so I'm Daniela Saderi. I'm the director and co-founder of pre-review. And Pre-Review operates as a nonprofit organization, and we um, uh, build open source infrastructure to allow anyone, any researcher, to provide constructive feedback and reviews to preprints. Um, and also um, a partner with organizations such as uh, these uh, partners today to uh, run training programs and events. And it is a very big honor to be here with you today. And I'll uh, hand it over to Joe. Thank you. Oops, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Hi and welcome to, yeah, also from our side. Um, I'm Joe, co-founder of Epic Archive. I'm here also with my colleague, Johansson Obanda, um, and we are very happy to be working with, um, together with Free Review, GCC Africa and Ada Africa, um, who also introduced themselves shortly after us, um, to, be yeah, to be presenting to you this roundtable discussion with esteemed speakers and the panel. And with that, I hand over to Obanda um, to briefly um, say a few words of welcome. Thank you. Happy peer review week, everyone. My name is John Obanda. I'm from Kisumu in Kenya, and I'm communications manager at Africa Archive. Um, I'll introduce you briefly to what we do. We are a community-led digital archive for African research. And we are working towards building an African-owned open scholarly repository. Right now we've established uh, scholarly repository services, including Open Science Framework, Chaos, Science Open, PubPug, Share, and Zenodal. Those are six of them. And uh, we do this to provide a platform for African scientists of any discipline to present their research findings and to connect with other researchers on the African continent and globally. Some of our partners provide services that either include or provide digital infrastructure for peer review of manuscripts. And um, uh, we will have a link to our website on the chat uh, if you would like to find out more about Africa Archive. Thank you so much. And uh, I give it um, to Aurelia or back to Joy. Thank you so much, Johansson. Um, my name is Joy Owango, uh, the director of the Training Center in Communication. 
We are a center, we are a research capacities trust based at the University of Nairobi. And what we do is support researchers, research institutes, governments and academic institutions on how they can improve their research outputs and increase their visibility through scholarly and science communication training. And um, we've been doing this for the last 15 years. And this is um, getting involved in this workshop is or roundtable is so important to us because peer review is instrumental to the scholarly communication process. And we are so excited to have these amazing speakers who will take us through their experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, and most importantly, what should we do to improve the best practices in peer review? What are the African perspectives that need to be included in peer review? So I look forward to this amazing round table. Uh, with that, I'd like to introduce Miss um, Aurelia Munene, the Executive Director from AIDA Africa. Aurelia. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Good morning from wherever you are. My name is Aurelia Monene, and I'm uh, from Ada Africa. I'm the founder and also working to develop uh, research mentorship programs. I'm joined by my colleague uh, Wangare Joyce. She'll also introduce herself. So at Ada Africa, what we do, we are really invested in mentoring um, uh, emerging scholars in the area of research. And the bigger picture for us is to really um, support uh, researchers who are able to lead responsible knowledge production and utilization uh, in, the, in the continent. So we support individuals, we invest a lot in peer-to-peer -peer learning, and we are also now moving into supporting universities that want to institutionalize research mentorship. Uh, for us today, we are very happy to be in this conversation of peer review because part of the pathways of um, emerging scholars is publication. And in this, they are either consumers of peer review services or they, are, um, they transition into peer reviewing. So we have really invested in opportunities to discuss inclusive peer review and we welcome you and uh, feel at home. So I'll invite uh, Joyce to say hello and then I'll go to, to introduce our esteemed panel. Over Thank to you, Joy. So much. Thank you so much, Joy and Aurelia. My name is Wangare. I am the lead mentor at Ada Africa. Most of us, uh, most of our organizations have the word Africa. And actually, it is just amazing that the theme for this year's peer review is identity. And so looking back into our heritage and seeing what we need to do as continental Africans and Africans in the diaspora is very critical. So I invite us all to engage in this discussion. Thank you. So thank you very much, Jace, for that. Um, I'll now move ahead to introduce briefly, I know you've heard about it, to introduce why we are here today. So this is the peer review week. And uh, during the peer review week, it's an opportunity to really focus the beam on, on peer review. And the theme this year is uh, identity in peer review. And for this round table, we thought it's fitting to really engage in a discussion that draws in um, uh, editors, reviewers, early career researchers, and to explore the dynamic of uh, shifting identities of uh, Africa, uh, researchers in the African continent. And what this means really is that 
for a very long time, um, African scholars, African researchers are constantly framed as consumers of knowledge produced from other contexts. But largely, we are now seeing um, a lot of scholars really pushing the boundaries and becoming very actively engaged in scholarly peer review. So the, those transitions in terms of identity is what we want to unpack today. And we are very invested in understanding um, within a safe space more about uh, scholarly knowledge decolonization, um, what biases exist in peer review, but more importantly, how can we ensure open, transformative peer review practices? So you're welcome to this conversation. Let me introduce our esteemed panel that will enable us to unpack this issue further. Uh, we wish to, to say that one of us, one of the panelists, you can see from the screen, um, all the panelists, one of them, uh, Dr. Rahul, could not join us today. He sends his deepest apology, uh, but then we have three amazing esteemed speakers. And I'll begin with, um, I'll begin introducing uh, Dr. Stella. Uh, Dr. Stella Onsolo, she's a researcher and a clinical psychologist right now at the Kenya Power and Lighting Company. She's, uh, she's invested in growing her research uh, career and also growing uh, knowledge in the area of uh, psychological assessment and diagnosis. And today she will talk to us about her journey of publication and being a consumer of peer review what was her experience? So she's going to share that experience with us. So Karibu Sana, Karibu Sana, Dr. Stella. Next, we will go to Nicholas Outa. Nicholas Outa is a doctoral candidate in fisheries and aquaculture at Maseno University. He's also a mentor at um, Ada Africa and is uh, invested in, uh, in a lot of publication. He's one of the young scholars that I know has a very deep foot footprint in terms of publications. And today he's joining us. Um, he has authored over 25 scientific peer reviewed journals, uh, journal publications. And today he's joining us um, to share his experience in, in peer reviewing. He has been able to transition also to review other works that have been published. And he's going to share with us what has been his experience as a peer reviewer. Finally, we have the esteemed honor of, the, of inviting uh, Professor Ruth and Onyango. She is the chief editor and founder at Africa Journal of Food, Agriculture, Nutrition and Development. She's a professor, a researcher. She's also the African Food Prize Laureate and has been honored by the Kenyan government. Uh, she's a mentor to many who are here who have attested to her mentorship. And uh, Professor Ruth will join us to share her wide experience being an editor of a journal that is really invested in African publication and unpacking to us that uh, dynamic of the conversation. So welcome our esteemed panel and I hand it now over to Joy. Thank you so much Aurelia and thank you so much our esteemed panel for making it to our round table. We really look forward to your insights. And uh, we begin, I'll take you through the, the, the various questions that we had prepared and uh, we'll be, and I will be moderating the questions that will, uh, that will 
uh, arise from the participants, either in the chat box or in the question and answer, or even in the social media, as this as this uh, roundtable is going live in uh, on, our, on our social media platforms. So to begin with, I'd like to know, can you tell us a little bit about your research career? What brought you to the position you have today, particularly in relation to your engagement in peer review? I'll give each of you five minutes. So Dr. Oso uh, Dr. Stella Osoro, would you mind beginning? Yes, let me start. Thank you so much, Joy. And um, as you've heard, my name is uh, Dr. Stella uh, Osoro Kerongo. I'm a clinical psychologist. My uh, doctorate is on uh, uh, clinical psychology. Done. My dissertation is on the uh, depression and reducing uh, depression among the deaf and uh, the deaf learners. I thank you so much. Um, what I can say, I do a lot of uh, research. I mentor uh, um, researchers. I supervise uh, many, and um, I'm in charge of mental health in Kenya Power Kanban. I'm in charge of mental health. I'm so proud, proud to be here today. I want to share my journey as I was doing my doctorate. And I want to say it is not an easy um, journey. What, what is there, the review progress, uh, the back and forth when you are writing, uh, sometimes people can see it like, uh, the people who are writing can see it like um, it is a, a way of putting people out. But I can say today that it is a way of making you better, better and better writer, refining your skills and making you better. So the back and forth, when you are going and you are told do this, don't feel bad, look at it as a positive thing and something which helping you to be better, a better writer. What I can say about when it comes to uh, publishing your document, it is very important to find where you can be able you to uh, publish your document. Uh, at times you might find journals which are not so authentic. So it is very important to find the authenticated uh, um, uh, uh, ways, the authenticated uh, ways of publishing journals which can, you can publish your document. Uh, you become so overwhelmed during the last minute. Towards the beginning is uh, better, you feel like you're okay. But towards the last last uh, time of doing, uh, when I was doing my dissertation, I became so wary and uh, peer review is very important. And uh, seeking guidance and uh, uh, feedback from the people you are working with, the team you are working with. And also your supervisors is very important. So one thing I can leave people with is during the back and forth, uh, look at it from a positive side that you're growing up and you're being nurtured to be a good mentor so that you can be able to mentor others. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Osoro. And um, Professor Nyango, kindly share with us, um, tell us a bit about your career, and what brought you to the position you have today, particularly in relation to your engagement in peer review? Thank you, Joy, and thank you for inviting me. And you know, <laughs> my career is, is, is uh, 10 books or something, but you know, I'll just be brief. Uh, and to say that um, I, I recall, um, I, I'm always a very curious person, you know, but I also recall uh, especially uh, as I defended my PhD, I was eight months pregnant. 
and uh, I looked at my thesis after it, and I said, so what? I mean, so what does this mean? What do I do with it anyway? It was just testing my mental stamina. And as I continued in my career and doing my research and realized that uh, in the academia is either publish or perish, uh, it's, I, I tried to find places to publish my work. And sometimes the works would be rejected and I would not understand why it was being rejected. And then I began to question, but you know, who is even going to read it? What am I doing this for anyway, you know? Uh, and so I decided that, um, and, and I've always been a curious reader. And whenever I read a book, and I know the Bible is the only one where I've never found a mistake. Whenever I read a newspaper, I find mistakes. I read a letter, I find mistakes. And so I decided, you know, I, I just, I, I woke up and I said, I'm starting, I'm starting to do this. And so my peer reviewing has always then been a part of what I do in AJ Fund. And, and, and right now, even people who are writing theses or project documents that are outside of my field, I just did one for her niece. They say, Prof, can you just go through this for me? And she thinks it is final. And then I take it, I still use red, red all over, you know? So peer reviewing is just to authenticate. Peer reviewing is to have someone else look at your work. Peer reviewing is just trying to have quality work comes, come out. And, and you know, whether you are an English speaker or not, you still find someone else finding a mistake in what you are doing. So it's just a question of improving your quality work and putting it out there. And I then just became very Afrocentric. And when I started the journal, I read somewhere that we were not published, we were not even contributing 0.1% of what is published globally of the global knowledge. But I also read somewhere that culture is no no one's, I mean, knowledge is no monopoly of any one culture. And, and so it just became very passionate for me to say that even us as Africans, we have to share what we have because only us can share what we have with the rest of the world that make it authentic. And for we can't just be consuming what other people are putting out there. So it's just become a passion and really I just call this eventually I have the journal, I call it like my professional baby, you know, so I carry it with me wherever I go and I talk about it wherever I am. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Professor Onyango. Um, Mr. Uta, Mr. Nicholas Uta, please share Can with we? us your, a bit about your career path and how it has brought you to the position you have today in relation to engagement to peer review. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joy. And thank you everyone for, for organizing this. I'm, I'm excited to be part of this panel today so that I can be able to share my, 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 my uh, perspective as, as a young scholar. And uh, Professor told me in the plenary that I'm not going to be young forever. So what happened is um, I started when I started publishing, uh, it's not a very easy journey. And when people say that I've published over 25 peer reviewed papers, uh, some people ask me, when did you start, Nicola? You are still too young. I, when did you start? I don't think I started long ago. I, my first paper was published in 2014 after I just completed my, my master's degree. And um, I was privileged to do my master's at UNESCO IHE in the Netherlands. And there we have mentors as opposed to supervisors. At UNESCO IHE, we have mentors who walk with you. And that's why I mentor at TCC Africa. That's why I mentor at Ada Africa. You have people who walk 
through the journey with you. They show you how things are done. Um, not supervision where somebody tells you that um, you are not doing the right thing, but they don't tell you how to do the right thing. You know, there's, there's that correction where somebody tells you your statement of the problem is too weak, but how then do I make it strong? So I borrowed from that. I've received a lot of trainings from uh, especially uh, TTC Africa. But again, how did I get into peer review? Um, after I published quite a bit of papers around, I think by the time I had around 10 papers, um, some journals started approaching me, but I was not keen on it uh, for the first instances. I was not very keen on it because uh, peer review used to be uh, a voluntary work. So you are, you, you are, it's very important in science because it, it contributes to the quality of science. You, you polish science, you, you help improve the quality of the scholarly and the research output that is put out there. But it used to be, um, I would say, uh, sometimes I would see like, I'm just spending time, but I'm not going to get any recognition for it. And then TCC Africa brought it to my attention that, hey, there's Pavlon. So this right now, apart from the, 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 the citations that you will have for your, your, your publications on, uh, on Google Scholar and other platforms, you can now also gain recognition by reviewing. So I, I, I started accepting most of them just because I knew that, hey, apart from just improving on science, I can also gain points on problems by by reviewing by reviewing uh, papers. But the other thing I also want to bring out is, um, if for example you get rejected, because this happens a lot for uh, younger researchers, as Professor said before me, that rejection is part of this journey. So whoever is reviewing your work is not deterring you from publishing. And when they give comments, and most of the time, sometimes if, if the reviewer is uh, is prudent enough and they really are out to help you, they will give you very clear. Uh, they, they will give you very clear uh, direction on why they rejected the paper, for example, how well can you improve it so that you can submit it elsewhere or you can submit it back to the same journal. So always look at it like um, a positive kind of feedback. And I've, I've never taken those. Uh, one of the times, the first paper I submitted, I submitted to science and it's a very high journal. And I, I had just completed my master's and it was rejected. And they told me that uh, they think the information I have is not sufficient enough for that kind of, of, of journal. So I learned from there and I've never looked back. I'm looking into uh, mentoring peer reviewers, mentoring younger scholars as I also move along being mentored. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh... Uh, Mr. Uta, what is coming out very clear amongst our speakers is the passion of why they got into research and how peer review is, is uh, pertinent to their research process and their research career. And this leads to my next question, and it can be answered by any of you. In, in the context of global open scholarship, of the, open, of the global uh, scholarship movement, there are several initiatives aimed at reforming peer review to be more open and inclusive. What would an African-centered peer review look like? Professor Onyango, would you like to answer that? <laughs> it's, it's very interesting uh, because, um, you know, I, I just always like to do things differently and it's only the cause of a river I can't change. You know what I normally say, but if you're anything man-made, I can always change it. And I always say, I'll do it differently and it has to reflect this. And so when I actually started this journal, I said, uh, I, I will do capacity building. And what capacity building meant is that mentoring, helping and encouraging was actually just part of it. And then secondly, we work with the author so that at the end of the day, 
the author feels this is their work and they have actually, they can accept it and internalize it. Because I had an experience where someone looked at something I'd written, by the time it came back to me, I couldn't recognize it. So just being inclusive, being intentional, working, and many of the people we work with are first authors. And we tell them, if you can pass our vigorous uh, peer review process, and you publish your first paper with us, you will then be able to publish it elsewhere because we are just so strict. So I think if it's going to be African, look, we have not been known to write widely and we have not, English is a new language and yet we are supposed to meet international standards. We really have to take time and even the process itself takes time. We have to be patient, but we have to be judged amongst the best in the world. There's, there's no shortcut and there is no accepting anything less than that. So I just believe that we have to do it differently and we have to carry along our, ourselves with us, whether old or young, knowledge is knowledge and even a younger scholar can mentor an older scholar. So that's how I would do it actually, all inclusive, participatory and just being patient. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's all about mentorship. It's all about support. It's all about including, um, making making the the researchers part of the process in order for them to produce good quality output. Dr. Osoro, Dr. Stella Osoro, tell us what are your views on uh, on the various global scholarship movements, and if you think that uh, on what are your views on on what an African-centered peer review would look like. Dr. Stella Osoro. As we're waiting for Dr. Osoro, Mr. Uta, are you able to answer the question? Tell us what would, what would, what do you think an African-centered peer review would look like? Uh, yes. Um... Thank you so much. There's a lot we are uh, like uh, organizations like TCC, Africa Archive and Aid Africa, at least the ones I've worked with closely are pushing for among other things, open access and open science. And it's a, it's a, it's a growing thing, it's a global thing and we are trying to Africanize it. Two things, one is we shouldn't try as much as possible as a professor said before me that uh, we don't lose our identity as Africans in the process of scientific review and in the process of just in our, in our scholarly research and, and writing, that is one. So we should try as much as possible that when we are doing an African based kind of review, we try to do it within our context. Of course, we borrow from other, other places that are, you know, success stories are good to borrow from because we learn from them. But let us try as much as possible not to lose our identity as Africans. We are Africans, there is a way we do things. We need to figure out what works for us and it does not necessarily have to work for everyone, but what works for us, that is second thing. The other thing is um, we need to, as a professor said, we need to uh, encourage mentorship. We mentor people on how to write scientific papers. We mentor people on how to conduct research, but rarely do we mentor people on how to be uh, reviewers. And um, even for me, when I started, I, I started without any mentorship. I started and I kept just working on, and also I just borrow from the kind of uh, comments I would get from, from reviewers of my papers. I was just, let's say I was just gazing things. So we also need, if we, are, if we want to, uh, to 
form our own way of, of doing things, we need to start mentoring people. We need to strengthen African journals and preprint uh, because un unless they are strengthened, um, we, we are not going to do much. We need to start strengthening them and we need to start publishing in our African uh, uh, platforms, African journals, Af because they, they also ensure that quality because we also believe in quality as our professor is saying, we're not selling for anything less just because we are Afri Africans. But the other thing um, I want to bring out is um, the amount of publications that are coming from Africa, though it is steadily increasing, it's still considerably lower than, uh, th than the global one. So there's the Matthew effect where we, uh, the, the, the assumption is that uh, whoever has abundance, abundance will keep following them. So we as African researchers, we are a, a little bit disadvantaged when it comes to, uh, we are always on the negative side of the Matthew effect. So because we are not contributing too much, uh, a lot in terms of scholarly output, not, not so much compared to those out there. So we need to think about these things and make information uh, uh, accessible. The other thing is, do we also need to make uh, peer review accessible? Peer review should also be open. As much as we are pushing for scholarly items to be open and our research articles to be open, peer review, whichever way, we need to make it as open as possible and Africanize it as much as possible. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Mr. Uta. Uh, for everyone else, please uh, send in your questions in the chat and also in the social media uh, social media pages. We are here to, to hear your views and see how we can improve uh, peer review, how we can make it more inclusive as we're celebrating peer review week. Um, Dr. Stella Osoro, can you please share about your experience with publishing clinical research and the journal organ and, and the journal organized peer review process? Are there any changes in your opinion? Are there any changes to the process you wish could be implemented to make it easier for authors to get their research out. Dr. Soro, did you hear the question? Can I repeat it? Me? I'll repeat the question. Um, can you share? Can you share with us a bit about your experience with publishing clinical research and the and the the organized peer and the journal organized peer review process. And are there any changes to the process that you went through you wish that could be implemented to make it easier for authors to get their research out? Thank you, thank you, uh, Joy. Um, once again, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, when it comes to uh, publishing uh, your document, your dissertation, First, you have to be very open and uh, uh, very open for the feedback and the information you get so that you can be able to know what are the right, uh, where can you uh, publish your documents? So the best, uh, uh, the, the feedback me may, maybe I can give is uh, when it comes to publishing, uh, you have to know the right, uh, publishers, the people who can make you sell yourself, the people who can make you be known outside there. We have people coming in uh, with like, they can publish your document, but you have to know the authenticated publishers who can make you uh, uh, be known outside there. When it comes to um, doing uh, your articles, you also have to have 
something which you can be able to defend, something which you can be able to uh, stand and say, this is my work, something which you can be able to be happy when you are writing. The back and forth is there to help you fine tune your document, make it better, make it okay, make it something which people can be able uh, to learn from you, to look up you, to you and say, and which can identify you outside there in the field of research. When it comes to publishing, what I can be able to know during that time, you know, when uh, the writing, it is very tedious and uh, you are looking where do I uh, publish my uh, research and you find many, many publishers coming along. So the, the, what I feel is like uh, researchers should come up, publishers should come up and uh, give out the right uh, publishers who can, researchers can come out and give out the right publishers who can be able or to publish your document. Because sometimes you get so confused, you get this one, you get this one, and in a, in, in, in along the way, you find like you are confused. So the best way is to have this one out clear to be able to know who are you publishing with and who are these? Are they money-oriented? Are they there to make a, a knowledge base? And what is it about? So the best thing is first to have clear clear publishers who can be able to make you trend, who can be able to make you know yourself. And look at uh, when it comes to writing, don't be selfish, share knowledge. Share knowledge, uh, help people who are struggling, help people who are struggling. My, my main aim when it comes to research is to help people to come out. When people feel like they're writing, they feel so exhausted, they feel like but when you make it uh, a, a part of you, it becomes a passion. You feel like there's something which, just like the way you feel like, uh, I've not taken a cup of tea, you feel like there's something which I've not done. I've not done an exercise, there's something which I've not done because of that continuous uh, uh, progressive reading, it makes you uh, a good reader and a good researcher. You can't be a researcher if you are not doing uh, a very uh, a good reading, a wide reading and sharing of knowledge, helping others to grow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Osoro. And what we are saying from everyone is about passion, it's about commitment. And that is the whole aspect when it comes to going through the research process and particularly when it comes, when it, it also involves getting involved. It also means getting involved in the peer review process as well. Now, there is a question which has been uh, raised from the chat for all the speakers and Anyone can begin, uh, the, can answer the question. And this is, what is your opinion about disclosing the identity of reviewers and of the reviewers and publishing the peer review reports along, alongside the research manuscript? I'll repeat the question. What is your opinion about disclosing the identity of the reviewers and, and publishing the peer review reports alongside the research manuscript? Doctor, uh, Mr. Uta, would you like to begin? Um, yes, yes, I can give my opinion on this. Um, there are two things. One is um, people are uh, 
human beings sometimes get uh, afraid of maybe exposure to some extent, especially if they know that uh, maybe their opinions could uh, could land them in some problems. So, uh, my opinion is, if we are, if that is anything that's supposed to be done, then we need to make sure that um, everything is open and everything is as transparent as possible, so that people don't feel like uh, if my identity is, uh, is revealed, then anyone is going to victimize me in future. And at the end of the day, we are all human, even as scientists, we are all human, and we have our own biases. So. Um, it is it, it, it's something that can really be done, but um, I, I really have issues with if, if, if the reviewers themselves would feel intimidated, especially with their comments. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Professor Nyango, may I have your views? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, you know, you know, we are human, yeah? We are human with senses, with biases, uh, and so on, and I remember when I, Whenever I taught uh, at Jomo Kenyatta University, I had small classes, by the way, I always ask students not to put their names, just so that I'm not biased. I didn't want to be biased, and uh, that's the whole issue of keeping it uh, uh, anonymous. But there are times, to just give you a specific examples, and I've had quite a number during our, our 20 year. We are marking 20 years, by the way, for AJ Fund. Uh, we've had situations where the reviewer has said, I really like this manuscript, but I can't allow it to go forward. And if the author is willing, I can work with them to improve on it. And we had one just lately. And both of them were very, very happy. You know, a, pro a professor based in the US uh, and, and an author based in, in Africa. And they were tackling a very complex issue on gender, very complex. And you know, but when we published it, both of them were so happy. So there are times when we actually put them together. But uh, ordinarily, like Ota said, and Nicholas said, I think it's better to keep it uh, anonymous because we just don't want to open a Pandora's box. Thank you so much for that. And um, I have a question which can be also answered by everyone else, and that is, is indexing important? Indexing is important for journals to be competitively uh, to be competitive. Um, it's, uh, participants would want to know what experience with indexing. Um, they are curious to know what to know your experience with indexing journals and when selecting a journal to publish in. Do you look at a journal's indexing uh, history or existing indexing status? So this is for, for you, Professor Nyango, who is also an editor for the early career, for the researchers, Dr. Osoro and Mr. Uta. Do you look at a journal that is indexed? Please advise. <laughs> uh, you know, the, asker, the, the, the person asking that question is my, <laughs> my, my, my assistant, you know, <laughs> who should be taking over very soon, <laughs> Jerry. She knows what we have been through trying to get indexed ourselves. And Joy, you know that we, 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 we have been around just trying to look for that indexing because who indexes? Who indexes actually? They are not best. They haven't been best in Africa. They have been best elsewhere. And how do they judge you? You know, are they biased? You know, are they genuine? And you know, it's really been a struggle. And yet authors are asking, okay, what's your impact factor? Who is indexing you before we even publish with, with you? And why are they doing that? Even their own universities are asking for that, you know, and yet 
We have more than 400 papers in circulation. People have so much to share. People have so much they want to share. They want it published. And our journal is there. It may not be meeting all those indexing standards that are there, but you know, we want to be there. So it's not been easy to get indexed, but we found out that you need to be diverse. You need to have a, a, a reviewer's pool that is international. You need to have a, an editorial board that is diverse. So we are all inclusive, diverse. And even if the journal is African journal, focused on African issues, the writers, the authors, by the way, can come from anywhere, so long as what you are writing about is relevant to us in Africa. And so when, when that then opened up and we get papers from China, we get papers from South America, we get papers from Germany, Australia, UK, USA, although most of them actually are from Africa, it's like it just opened up the opportunities for us. It was like now we have met that standard. Not easy, but yes, indexing is important because you are being judged by it. We, we can't run away from that until we are able to actually have our own indexing on the, on the continent. But it's a way of judging your quality as well. Thank you so much. As a researcher, Mr. Uta and Dr. Osoro, I'll repeat the question. Um, would would you uh, the, would what is your experience in, in in working with journals that are indexed and when selecting a journal to publish in? Would you look at the in the on whether the journal is indexed or not before you choose to publish in it? So let's share your please share your views as um, as uh, as as authors. Uh, okay, um, let me go first as, uh, as uh, maybe and then I'll, let, let me just go first and give my, uh, my, my view. I'm, I'm um, on please. Sorry. Hello. Am I audible? Yeah. Hello. We can hear you. Hello. We can hear yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Doy. I was saying uh, indexing is very important when it comes to journal. It is very important because it makes a standard of something just like anything. Uh, being standardized, it makes it uh, authentic. It makes it um, another level. We are remember, like evolution is everything. When it comes to writing, it's also evolution. So when you find a standardized article, um, index article, uh, indexing is very important when it comes when you are publishing, looking for um, uh, publishing, uh, selecting is very important when you look at. Uh, uh, it is important when you look at indexing. It is very important because it makes you a standard. It puts you to another level because uh, you might find yourself publishing your document with a journal which is not uh, well known. Which... Hello. Hello, may I come in? Maybe we've 
Yes, please. Okay, so um, I will answer this in two parts. One is, yes, I look at uh, the indexing when, when I'm publishing my papers. So, may, I, may I proceed? Yes, please go ahead. I think we had a, a little bit of a hiccup with uh, maybe Joy's connection, but please go ahead. Thank you. Okay. So um, I, I, I'm saying that uh, uh, one is, yes, I look at the, 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 the databases where the, the, the specific journals in which I want to publish have been indexed. That is one. Secondly, um, I think we also need to, as, as Professor said, we also need to look at other ways of evaluating um, the quality of a, of, of a journal rather than just looking at where it, is, it has been indexed. It is important, yes, as, uh, as uh, Dr. Stella has also said, Dr. Stella says it's it's also um, a way of authenticating some of these journals. But uh, yes, I look at it, but it's not the only thing I look at before I decide where to publish. Um, what is the editorial board like? I just take sometimes I just take a few guys and Google and see are they really active researchers right now, or are they people who are no longer doing anything in the in the in the, in the field of research? And you know, just a few other things. Um, I look at indexing plus many other things. Thank you. Thank you oh, so much. Stella, uh, Stella, are you with us now? Just to add on uh, yeah. what uh, my colleague has said, uh, writing uh, research is, uh, it's, at, at one point you can get, um, you can, uh, it needs a lot of patience, it needs a lot of resilience. And so when you are selecting journals, as my colleague has said, at times you might look at people who started and they stopped. So are they active? Are they up to date? Those are very important to look at after, after. Apart from looking at the indexing, it's very important to how updated are they with the writing and with the journaling. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Uta, do you want, could you please take over? Um, oh, he did, I, he already replied. I already. Okay, all right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Now, um, the next question is uh, directed to Professor Nyango, and this is, um, how are African-led journals approaching peer review innovation? Please share your, your comments on that. Hi, Joy, this is Jerry. Uh, sorry, they lost connection, so they are trying to reconnect. Oh, okay. So. So there was, a, there was a lost connection on, on uh, uh, Professor Prof. Nyango's part? Yeah. Okay, all right then. Okay then. Uh, so Mr. Uta, could you share with us your experience as not only an early career researcher, but also having uh, started the peer, having started peer reviewing? So how did your journey begin to where you are and what have been your experiences? What have been the good sides and what have been the bad sides? Um, thank you so much. Um, just adding on the comment I, I, I already made earlier, um, I can't say that it has been uh, one of those very smooth journeys. Um, it has been characterized, of course, with uh, a few rejections here and there. You know, sometimes once in a while you your paper gets rejected. Even when you feel like um, you're at a point where you are sending out a paper and you think, oh, I've, I've written quite a bit, so I, I don't think I, it can be rejected. Papers get rejected, and as I keep saying, it is part of the journey. Let that not deter you. And whoever is maybe rejecting your paper, if they are uh, human enough as reviewers, they should tell you how, uh, why, and how they have rejected your paper. Now, 
one of the other things, um, uh, you know, you said about the good and the bad parts. Um, the, the, the good part I have had is um, it has given me exposure. I'm, I'm now being approached by higher journals. Um, I'm now uh, reviewing, I think Joy knows this, and I get certificates almost every year for reviewing for one of the journals, one of the, the journals in uh, uh, Taylor and Francis. So those are, I'm, I'm slowly by slowly uh, getting higher and higher because of my, my profile on Pavlons, my profile on other, other platforms, because I also make my work visible. Um, that is one good side I've, I've had with review, and it's also in my CV, so I also put them in my CV. So those are some of the good things that I can easily um, uh, tell somebody that if you are approached to review a paper, kindly go and review it. But it also comes, especially when my first assignment, when my, when, when, when a journal first requested me, um, it comes also with some, uh, you also need to overcome uh, the imposter syndrome, it, it comes, I, I, I experienced it at one point, I was like, um, am I at that point where I can look at someone's work and critique it uh, really and, and, and give some feedback on it? Uh, you know, I, it took me a bit of time. In fact, I rejected quite a bit of, of, uh, of things before I finally decided to say, hey, why don't I just sit down, look at this document and give my very sincere opinion? So um, that is one thing that people need to know. Um, the bad side of, of, uh, of, of this, uh, I, I really don't, think there is always the bad side, I, except when I said uh, about the rejections. That is, the, you, you, whichever way you want to take it, but for me, it's never a bad thing as such. I can't say that I always celebrate rejections, but sometimes rejections come with very, uh, very useful comments uh, that go towards improving the manuscript that you are working on. So my journey really, uh, I've not really had an illustrious journey, but uh, for the few years I've been in this field, I've published more than, I'll, I'm going to, I'm targeting to get to 30 because I have over 25 and some are still under review. I, one of the things is you really need a mentor in this field. You need somebody who, because writing is not so easy as Dr. Dr. Stella said this. It's not a very easy thing. And you sometimes, most of the times we get people supervising us. We are, we are expected to know how to write. Your supervisor expects you to publish at least two papers before you defend your, your PhD thesis, or at least one paper before you defend your, your master's thesis. And this is even uh, most universities like in, in Africa or in Kenya. But they assume you know how to write. Do we all know how to write? Some of us are struggling with this thing. So we really need to strengthen our mentorship systems in Africa if we are going to, to help uh, younger scholars and uh, you know, help them even transition into, into peer review. And as I said, we need also to mentor people in peer review because even for me, when I started, I did not know what to do. I kept just throwing things here and there. But right now, I know how to sit down and write some very good review of a paper. So basically, that has been what has been going on. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Uta. And um, I have a few questions which we'll we will open to the, to, to the participants. But before we get into to that, to that bit, I'd like to know your views, Ota um, and uh, Dr. Stella Osoro. How does identity influence peer review? If one's English is poor, but their science is sound, is there a chance that the review can be biased and therefore flawed? Dr. Osoro, would you like to begin? Yeah, but before I say that, can I talk about what uh, Mr. Uta had said about uh, his journey or yes. what made him a peer reviewer? It is yes. because of the journey when when you are doing your your your, your process of learning. When you are, when I was doing my PhD, it really made me to learn many things. 
And that made me to say, now nah, I have to go to this world and also help all people that and work with them when it comes to writing, to give them that it is not easy, but it is a journey and it is a, a step and at a time, a step at a time. At times you feel like, uh, let me stop. So what made me go there is just to give, mainly is to give hope. Give hope to tell them that anytime your paper is rejected, anytime you are told go back and go back to the drawing board. It is, um, it is a journey. It is, you are refining yourself. You're making yourself better. Look it at a very positive side. M make it uh, better always by reaching out, even making um, you yourself as, what can I do here? I was told here, what can I do here? And then go back to the drawing board, making it better. Ca coming to the question which you, uh, you have asked. Maybe Joe, you can repeat that question so that I can get it here. Okay, uh, I'll repeat the question. So how does identity influence peer review? For one's English, for, let's, for example, if one's English is poor, but their science is sound, is there a chance that the review can be biased and therefore flawed? It depends, it depends. those are two scenarios. But remember when, uh, when, when uh, we are doing the peer review and uh, we are attending seminars like this one, somebody is told, hey, no, uh, you are doing, uh, you are, this is uh, your language, you're bringing your mother, your mother tongue here. So what happens is, um, you, uh, it can't be biased, but then uh, what I can always tell people is resilience, keep on, keep on, because uh, the more you become, you can't be able to have bad English, but what is you're putting down is very important and it adds value. Once you continue like that, you become better and better, just like runners the way and practice. You, uh, even if it is rejected, you tell yourself, you know, you cannot control what is going on, but you, you tell yourself, if you have that focus that you want to be a good review or you want to be a good researcher, you tell yourself it is a step at a time and work on yourself. Any feedback you are getting is to better you. Any feedback you are getting is to improve your skills, your writing skills and making it better for you. So much as it is, you know, Joe, uh, you can never control what the reactions people give, but you can be able, when you are aware of yourself, you can be able to walk that journey and make it better and better and make your voice to be heard that this is what should be there and we should separate English and the writing and what is down there. Thank you so much. What matters is the content and the content, how do you put that content down? How do you make it understood? How do you disseminate that information for people to be able to consume, to articulate it, to make meaning out of what you're writing. That is the most important thing. To communicate. Is what you're doing communicating? Is it going to be communicating? Is it making sense? So that is the most important thing. Thank you, okay. Joy. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Uta. Um, um, yes. Sorry, yeah, so um, two things. One is um, it, 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 we are human and sometimes we, uh, that's one thing I think, sometimes we think that um, when we become researchers, we, we stop being humans and humans have their own prejudices. So sometimes people read your English and then they say, 
I'm, maybe I'm, this is not good enough for, for, for to be published without looking at the content. In review, um, I always call two things. There is always the lower order concerns and the higher order concerns. So as a reviewer, if you are concerned with the lower order where you are just looking at grammar, English and stuff, then I, I really, for me, you are not helping the researcher so much. Of course, you can correct the lower, the lower concerns about flow of, of document and stuff like this. But if you're focusing on that without focusing on the higher, because the higher concerns are about the content. Are you helping me improve the content in regards of the language? Because the language, as, as Dr. Osola said, the language can, might not be so perfect, but uh, uh, if, if the content is perfect, then I only need to guide the, the, the author effectively on how to do the writing. The other thing is um, I'm so happy that uh, uh, African repositories like, like, like um, Africa Archives is now accepting even manuscripts in, in, in local dialects. So as Africans, that is part of starting to claim our identity in the peer review uh, world and in the scientific world. Because now we are appreciating the fact that if I can write in Dolu, and submit it somewhere, or if I can write in Kiswahili or Afrikaans or some language and submit it and it will be published. You know, when you get there, whoever will be reviewing it will not even be looking at it that it's written, it's written in Kiswahili. They will be looking at it, that does, do we have content here? So I think we need to get to that level where we have a very robust conversation as Africans. Are we focusing on our language? Because uh, English is of course the universal language of, of, of science, but uh, we are now, Starting, you know, there are organizations that are bold enough now to tell people that there's no problem. If you did some good work and you know it can bring some changes in Africa, submit it in that language. We will find somebody to either translate it or whoever can consume it in because whatever language you use, you know whom you are targeting. So let's not lose our identity in our purchase, in, in our chase for, you know, in our pursuit of, 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 of excellence. We need to not settle for less, as Professor said, but let us not lose our identity. So if you read a language and you realize, hey, I think it also starts with us as, uh, as, as, as individual reviewers. I need to make a very, a very conscious decision that I will be focusing on higher levels of review, not the, 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 the small ones. I can come back to language later, but if it is not interfering so much with the content, I will help critique the content and then talk about the language. Because for language, there are services that can even help uh, proofreading. So I think we also need to decolonize the language of science, especially for the African context. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that. And uh, it's one of the challenges we're seeing in the continent because very, we have countries whose traditional language or indigenous language is the national language. And we are not seeing a lot of those out. Uh, we are not seeing research in that. Uh, we are not seeing output in research output from those uh, countries, especially if it is uh, written in their indigenous language. And the reality is that if you're looking at individual uh, identity, we also need to be cognizant of the, of the diversity of the language uh, that this continent holds. And thank you so much, uh, Mr. Uta, that is really well put. And the next question is for Afjant and um, uh, Ms. Jerry Karanu. Jerry Karanu, is, who is also representing uh, Afjant, is going to respond to this question on behalf of Professor Onyango. And the question is, do publishers, um, this is for the publishers, how do you incentivize peer reviewers? And the question came from 
was a, was was came as a result of Nicholas' uh, statement that he receives certificates from the publishers he works with. So, so what does Afjan offer, or what do you think should be done in terms of incentivizing peer reviewers? Oh, what else is there in terms of incentivizing peer reviewers? Jerry, over to you. And thank you, Joy. Uh, I see from that uh, we had lo lost a bit of connection. Um, so uh, for our experience at uh, AJ Fund, um, yes, we did. We started uh, issuing certificates to review uh, to our peer reviewers. Yeah, we value and understand that they are doing this on a you know pro bono on a voluntary ba uh, basis. So we try to look for ways to incentivize that. And what Nicola said, you know, jogged my thinking and said, yeah, we started doing that at Arch Fund, uh, issuing certificates. Then um, another way we incentivize is through, by carrying their profiles. So they are professional profiles. We feature them uh, on the issues, published issues, um, so that they can highlight uh, their career achievements and also where they hope to, to, you know what they hope to do uh, in the future. Uh, what else? Uh, also, when they submit manuscripts for publishing, uh, we put them on the fast track uh, for uh, for review so that uh, it doesn't you know take as long. Just to say you know thank you for the work that they are that they are doing for us. Maybe Prof, Prof can add if I've forgotten anything. No, thank thank you, Jerry. Actually, we. We, we started issuing the certificates, like she said. And sorry, I was off a technical issue. <laughs> um, but um, the, we, we realized the certificates were highly, highly valued. And, uh, and it's because some of the reviewers actually started asking for certificates. So we have standing certificates and we can issue them at any time. And they are graded, they are gold, bronze, and silver. At uh, the same time, uh, I just want people to appreciate that it's very expensive to run a journal. Funding for journals, scholarly journals are hardly there. And you can't just take a journal and start putting in all kinds of things, uh, you know, for example, advertising things so that you can run a scholarly journal. That doesn't sit well with uh, those who want to give you marks or index you. So it's not easy, but so far it has worked well. We have more than 200, because our hours is so more or less a multidisciplinary journal, but around, around issues of food, nutrition, and environment and development. But so we have about 200 uh, reviewers, you know, all over the world. So we can't pay, but we actually find even people coming saying, I want to be a reviewer. And we have junior reviewers. We actually, uh, Auta needs to know that we have about 25 junior reviewers. We mentor them. And normally we pick from those who have published their first paper with us, maybe out of a master's degree. And then we say, you can now join as a peer reviewer. And we've seen some of our students who come from here, especially those ones who are in Kenya, when they join PhD work, you know, they come back and say, prof, you know, and, I write perfectly, I'm just so good, you know, because of what I gained out of here. So this mentoring bit, uh, as Nicholas, is very important. And I just want to urge everyone, where, wherever you are running a journal, 
you know, just make sure that you make mentoring as an integral part of what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much for your for your views. Now I'd like to open the the questions to to the participants. And to begin with, why don't you share with us your experience in peer review? You can put it in the chat, you can raise your hand and share with us what was your experience? Share with us what was your experience? Feel free to put it in the chat as we are preparing for the next question. What was your experience? And please raise your hand so that we can include you in this conversation as well. As we are waiting for the questions to come in, there, is a, there was a question that was, that was shared from the social media platform and that is, what is the role of empathy and kindness in peer review. As the speakers are answering these questions, please for the participants, put in your questions in the chat and share with us your experience in, on, on the peer review process. So Dr. Soro, do you want to yes. begin? Yeah, I can begin. Thank you so much once again. Empathy and the kindness in writing is very important. It's like fuel, it's like, um, putting yourself in the shoes of those people who are struggling, going through the sleepless nights, doing a lot of research to be able to understand what they are writing. So empathy and kindness is very important at once because it makes someone to, it builds somebody's resilience. It makes someone to be, become competent. Remember when you say, um, I can imagine what you're going through when you're doing this, and imagine the energy you're putting in, it keeps one going, it keeps one going, it makes one to feel energized, it makes one to keep, uh, uh, believe in himself, believe in the work he's doing, what he's doing, and make him get motivated time and time again. As I said again, when it comes to writing, when it comes to peer reviewing, it is, um, something which you are doing for yourself and for others. So it is something which needs a lot of motivation uh, for you to be able to move on. Uh, that's what I can say, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Osoro. Uh, Mr. Uta, please share your view on empathy in peer review. Um, yes, as I said, um, writing is not so easy. And um, two things, one is we are Africans and um, by you know, generally we were people who really encouraged people, even even from 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 way back. You know, we kept telling people it will be fine. I know it's so hard if if you if if somebody is uh, is bereaved, for example, just an example. We would we would see a way of making them feel like um, it's a sad thing. But why don't you? You will always find way around it. So I think we never we we don't try. Let's not lose our whatever I would call our culture, I don't know what how to define culture in this context, especially in current age, but let us try to be, um, encourage people because it's not an easy thing. So if you are rejecting someone's work or if you feel that they are not doing the right thing, um, there's a friend of mine who keeps telling me, Nicholas, I can tell you you are stupid without you feeling that I'm telling you you are stupid. I can still hug you and rub you on the back and tell you that was a very stupid move that you made right there. So uh, when you go, you know that, um, you know, I was told I'm stupid. That was not a very good move, but the way I was told, keeps me thinking that next time I might need to act differently. So this person does not hate me. They were just correcting me. So you need to, even in your feedback, how do you write your feedback as a reviewer that can help that person feel that there's nothing personal about this. They are encouraging me. They understand that it's a journey and they're encouraging me on. It's good to be kind, 
and it is good to be to have some empathy for the people you are reviewing with, so that you don't kill their spirit. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Uta. Professor Nyango, you've been uh, peer, you've been uh, you've you've uh, you've published for over twenty years. You've been an editor for over twenty years. So, yes. what has been your experience, <laughs> and what do you feel is the role of empathy and kindness in peer review? And to date, we have about 1,200 manuscripts published already, you know, and uh, I can tell you that uh, there are times you, most of the time you have to be empathetic and we are because we take long, we take long with the manuscripts until people write to us saying they want to take it somewhere, somewhere else. And then I tell them, yeah, you can, actually you are free, we say so, but if I were you, I would not, yeah? And then they come back and say, okay, prof, I won't take it away. <laughs> I won't take it away. And then, yeah, so long as the design of the manuscript is okay, uh, as, as like, uh, I think it was Stella who said, even if the language may not be okay, but the content is okay. We actually take time working with the author back and forth. There's only been one author who said, we, I don't like this back and forth, back and forth. I'm taking this away. And I say, well, you can take it away, but that's how we do it. That in the end, what we published is your work, not our work. So we have to be extremely, not, we have to be practical. We have to be empathetic. And we have to know that rejection of our work. I remember mine being rejected. It really makes you feel terrible. It's like you feel like a failure. So, and many of these are young, young scholars trying to get their paper out. And, and then we, 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 we take time and sometimes we say, just take it, repackage it and bring it back, you know? And, and when you stick with it and continue doing it, imagine the reviewers even themselves become empathetic and they say, no, 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 no. This is actually okay, of course, that, but the back lies with me as an editor-in-chief, ultimately, but we really try very hard. By the time we reject a paper, we must reject it. It just can't go any further. Yeah. Thank you so much. And what everybody is saying is that it's important to humanize the process because you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you're dealing with people. This is a whole human relations process. And it's important to, um, to be empathetic during the peer review process because you do not know uh, the, the, the mental state and the, 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 the not, only, not only the mental state, but what this person is going through. So empathy is really important when it comes to peer review. Now there's a comment uh, by Zadok Maingi and he said that peer reviewing sometimes may not be easy, more so when you're running several activities at the same time. It requires the peer reviewer to give full attention to the work he is doing. However, peer reviewer keeps researchers updated with evidence-based information with what's happening globally and internationally. Peer reviewing as well provides the author with a dimension of their work that they didn't imagine in their writing. So he acknowledges it, it is not easy work, but it is also equally important when it comes to supporting the early career researcher. Um, there's also, um, uh, there's a comment by Ms. Njeri Karanu. Maybe you could, uh, we could let, could you switch on your video and then share that, that comment, please? 
on peer review? Uh, yeah, uh, it was on that uh, bit about empathy. And uh, my comment says the editor in chief or the editors, they play a referee role in the whole peer review process. So we're able to see when the review comments come back, we're able to gauge the quality of review because at the end of the day, you want to help the author improve their paper. You want them to you know, put out quality research. So if it's not, you know, because like Prof said, we are human, you know, so, <laughs> um, you know, if the uh, review comments are not constructive, they're going, not going to help this person uh, improve their paper, then we can send that uh, manuscript to another reviewer so that they help uh, the author uh, improve on their paper. So just to say that the editors, you know, have an important role to play, they, they intercept you know, they are in the middle of that communication between the author and the reviewers. Thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. So we are, we are almost getting to the tail end of this round table and we have a few questions for the speakers and also for the participants. Feel free to answer the questions in the chat. We want to hear your views on this. What constraints do African scholars face with, with the current peer review processes and how are they navigating them, if at all? So we can start with the speakers and then in the meantime, may the participants answer the questions in the chat. We want to hear your views on this. And the question is, what constraints do African scholars face with current peer review processes and how are they navigating them, if at all? Professor Nyango, would you like to begin? Yes, it's Joy. You know, peer review processes are, um, are uh, they take time. They take time and you know many times uh, i've always actually told authors that if you are a student say so right away and you we, we fast track you i don't what students being a student is like you need it to these days they want you actually to have published before you can even graduate and and, and my people here i have actually quite a number of people online i have uh, Mr. Aura who does the english helping with the english where we can help you know, uh, maybe a paper from a country where the English is not good. I have an intern here right now, Erica is actually online. And then I have Jerry and we're always sharing. They can tell you that. So when it's a student that needs a paper at a certain time, we say let's fast track and let's pick our best reviewers, the ones who are very quick and the ones who are actually good and thorough. The other thing is that you can have a reviewer who just gives you like Jerry said, who can just, you know, looks through, looks through, and you can, I tell them, no, this one didn't review. So I cannot count that as a reviewer. We have to find someone else. And many times, actually, the scientist, the author, does not understand this process. And they think we are taking too long to do that. And because reviewers are not paid, and maybe some expect to be paid, uh, Nicholas will tell us what incentives he has to review and review quickly, turn around this quickly, you know, it, 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 sometimes it takes a long time and we can't just put work out there because these days it's just seen out there. Ours is open access. Anyone can see it. So you live in a mistake and then it comes back to haunt you. So it is the time, the time it takes. But at the same time, we have some people who don't write very well, who don't take the comments very seriously, you know, because then that delays it who are not very careful, even with punctuation. Look here, uh, it, punctu punctuation has no language. 
punctuation is punctuation. Just do it properly. Even if you wrote in Swahili or in Luya, which is my language, or in Doluo, or in Kikuyu, Kimeru, yeah, it will still require those punctuations. So there are certain standards that one has to follow. So I found that some of the authors do not take time. They assume that we at the secretariat will do their work for them. But really, if you take time, improve, improve. Yes, Stella, who kept saying back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> you know, you will actually come up with something you will really be proud of. So let's do something. Let's be proud of that, which is good. And we are capable of producing good stuff. You know that we are. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. Dr. Osoro, what constraints do African scholars face with, with the current peer review processes and how are they navigating them, if at all? You can also share your experience during this, when answering this question. Thank you, thank you, Joy, again. Um, when you're doing the writing and um, you want it to be done within your time frame. And you find now that there's that um, uh, correcting which is done or the ongoing, the ongoing training of your, 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 your document. The author feels frustrated. He feels like uh, he has to look um, and you find this is the time you find others going to editor journals looking for a shortcut. They don't want their document to be reviewed. Uh, but uh, not knowing that when you do the shortcuts, you are not helping yourself. So uh, it becomes a challenge when they want a one of the, it becomes a challenge when they bring a document that they want it to be done within a specific time, with no like, they want to push things to just to go. The same thing happened when I was doing my, the first time, the, the initial stages, especially when I was doing my master's, I felt like this is a back and a back and a, a, a business. How do I get um, out of this getting that tired? But I came to realize by and by, even through the other mentors coming in, I came to realize that it needs a lot of patience and you have to, for your document to be nice outside there, to be so attractive out there, to be readable and to be attractive, it has to go through a process. Most of the time, people look at the outcome. They don't, they ignore the process which is in the, for the document to become a good document. What is more important is the process which it goes through. And that is what I want. Many people that met me, why I'm a peer reviewer, so that I can help people understand. It is important, shortcuts, will not help when it comes to the writing, but a process is very important going through the process. Thank you. Thank you so much. We kindly await your views, um, Mr. Uta. Um, I, will, I will give it this connotation. What constraints am I facing as a young scholar in Africa and how am I navigating it? I think navigating them. I think I, I will answer it in that context. Um, one of the things is uh, most of our works are published out there, out, outside Africa. So some, most of the journals that we sometimes we publish in are based outside Africa. So one of the things is uh, 
it's like uh, they, they really don't understand so many things about our context. So even in the review process, it might end up being reviewed by someone else who is not from you, uh, who does not understand a lot of constructs in our, in our setting. So that is one of those things that a paper might end up being rejected because someone, a, a reviewer from a different continent might feel like um, this, is, this research is not so useful. But if it was done by an African, they would maybe understand our, our plight and say, ah, okay, so I understand where this writer is coming from. So because most of our work is reviewed elsewhere, sometimes um, it ends up some very good research gets rejected just because uh, the reviewer does not understand the context in which the, the, the research was carried out. That is one. Secondly, um, how am I navigating this? Things. One of the things, and I, 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 when I train people, even at TCC Africa, or when I mentor people for, for Ada Africa, or when I just train my students, I, I keep talking about, uh, about Africa archive for, for, for some very good reason. One of the things, it has also helped me being able to share my work out there. If I do a manuscript and I think it's good enough and it's, it can be sent out for publishing, I, I, I first publish it as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a preprint because that now helps me. Uh, so people are able to see, people are able to start reading it and it's already available before as it undergoes the, the, the conventional peer review, which I appreciate so much because Conventional peer review is important to science because it polishes science. The other thing um, I wanted to bring out is um, for us to be able to navigate all these things, I've just given one of the ways in which I do these things. Students who want to publish, and this I keep telling them, if you are doing your PhD, if you are doing your master's, start your publication plan early enough. Start thinking of, these are my objectives. I have gone through um, the, the, the defense. They have accepted that I should go to the field. Start thinking, how many possibly, possibly how many papers can come out of, 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 of my thesis? And how do I start planning early enough for them? So that you don't run around at the tail end because you know the back and forth that uh, Dr. Soro was talking about. It might delay your defense because you started too late. So my advice is start early enough and then you will be able now to navigate through so many of these things. And if you can make good use of the, pre, uh, the, 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 the preprints, and I keep talking about African archives because that is what I know and that's what I train people and that's what I work with. Let's start working on them. The other thing, and this, this, this is the last one, we need to campaign so that uh, research institutions, research organizations and universities start recognizing preprints because they don't publish junk. Um, I, I, this is a very sincere opinion. I, I, I train people on preprints and I'm a very good advocate for it. But sometimes it's very hard for people to understand that preprint does not, preprints are not junks. That is, it is good quality science. And I, I most of the time I challenge them. Go onto Africa Archive, for example, and the repository and download any paper at random. Look at it and tell me if it is junk. Tell me if it is trash. So we need to start making people understand that we have our African solutions that we are trying to use to navigate through these hard times in our academia. That part of it is, and I'm so happy that there's people are now coming out and we, we are pushing for open science, open access and stuff like this. But let us not forget about open review. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Uta, and thank you so much, uh, Professor Onyango, uh, Ms. Njeri Karanu, and also Dr. Stella Osoro. Your insights are very constructive. They are very informative as well. And as we are winding down, we are going to get a summary from uh, Dr. Joyce Wangari and Dr. Joe Haberman. So over to you, Dr. Wangari. Thank you so much, Joy. It's been such a riveting discussion and the participation has been quite high and active. Keep sharing your comments and questions in the chat as I go through what our panelists today have shared with us. 
So they started off each one of them by telling us about their career path and a resounding encouragement to everybody to know that the process of peer review ultimately is about growing and improving one's work. It is not punitive and it's not a deterrence. We know that in science, a peer review is essential. It's actually critical you know, to developing sound publications. So each one of them recounted instances in which you know, they felt that it was heavy going, but they said that the process of iteration or back and forth is actually essential so as to publish a quality work. So that was very well said by each of the panelists. And then on the question on open or inclusive um, peer review processes, uh, it was very clear that currently the double blind uh, is the most dominant procedure and that uh, while, while in inclusivity is very key, we would like to see more open science approaches. That is definitely a gap. We would like to see more peer review in, in, in its volume and quantity. Um, Nicolas Sauta rightly put it that we are still at a very small percentage. And he talked about the Matthew effect where those who have abundance increase in abundance. And so in Africa, we need to incre increase the critical mass of peer review and make it more open and inclusive. And in this case, inclusivity in this panel would include more African voices. So each one of us being urged to keep on publishing and to um, really engage in the open and inclusive peer review process. And then there was the question on early career researchers and Prof Onyango put it wonderfully. She said that there's a place for early career researchers to actually be junior reviewers. And so if you are an early career researcher and you just um, are in the throes of getting your postgraduate or um, you're interested in knowing more about uh, peer review, you could actually enjoy in a journal and then list yourself as a junior um, peer reviewer. And then there was the question on innovation. This was really, really interesting. And now you can see today we have this innovation called Zoom and we are all online speaking from all different corners of the world. Um, and uh, uh, in this case, innovations in uh, peer review have been many in the last few years. We've had a lot more innovation. Uh, definitely, uh, we talked about how journals have actually incorporated more robust views over time and uh, innovations, even just in the process of how to give feedback, as well as um, becoming intentional in um, uh, peer review processes. And then constraints, there are definitely are many challenges. The biggest one um, that was pointed out by some panelists being funding and just the capacity building efforts to ensure that journals are sustainable. That is definitely a constraint and journals have navigated them by asking for peer reviewers who can volunteer their time without pay. And that has been one way you know, to keep the science going and to keep the peer review process moving. Um, then lastly, there's a question on, you know, just our experiences in journal, um, um, in the journal procedure and what we would want, you know, to be different. I think um, overall, I would say that empathy and kindness needs to be centered more. 
and we definitely need to share knowledge about the importance of peer review. Some researchers, as Dr. Osoro put it, may not even be aware of the basic things like journal destinations and how to choose a, a good journal. And so that would be something that many researchers need to become aware of that there is peer review and that is something that actually enhances science overall. So thank you very much. Uh, you may please add any more uh, points that I missed. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Wangari. That was very. That was a very good summary of what we discussed. And as we are winding down, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Daniela Saderi, who is going to share with us the next steps. We talked about the challenges, what needs to be done, what we are currently doing, and we've got a very good summary from. Uh, uh, and we've also shared our experiences, and we've got a very good uh, summary from Dr. Wangari. Now we need to discuss on the next steps. We cannot be complaining throughout what we need to do. How do we become, how do we change? How do we, how do we, how do we um, influence the current systems? How do we contribute to the current systems? How do we make ourselves more inclusive? How do we make ourselves much more visible? And with that, we have uh, Dr. Daniela Saderi, who is going to share with us what is going to happen next. Over to you, Daniela. Thank you so much to all the uh, other uh, host organizations and the speakers and the participants. This was brilliant um, and has I'm here starting my day energized by this discussion and we we'll look forward to sharing the video and uh, uh, hopefully also like sharing a, a, a summer up um, of all of this discussion as a blog post and you all will receive these links uh, as participants if you are uh, signed up. So uh, don't worry, this content won't be lost. Uh, and we hope to do more. Um, well, we previous engagements have been already uh, summarized in a, in a post that we shared on the Scholarly Kitchen. And so if you wanna see what we have been up to in the, in the past, um, you can uh, read that. Um, but also um, I, I shared already some links to this uh, Open Reviewers Toolkit that Pre-Review just released on Monday. And that hopefully uh, will provide some guides to uh, on how to uh, uh, compose a peer review, uh, how to, uh, uh, if you're a mentor, how to actually evaluate a review or from a constructive and non-judgmental point, but with this um, uh, kindness uh, as a center. Um, and what we're hoping, and with this, the partners that are hosting this, this event, Africa Archive, TCC Africa, and ADR Africa and Pre-Review, uh, we are going to uh, work together on um, uh, open reviewers or we don't know the, the name exactly, but it's going to be a peer review workshop that is going to be uh, delivered to um, uh, different researchers communities across Africa. We have the opportunity to build uh, on curriculum that we already have uh, and put together our uh, work uh, across the organizations. And we're very thankful for the support uh, that we are getting from eLife and uh, the Wellcome Trust on this work. So stay tuned. Uh, sometimes next uh, in the next spring, uh, this workshop will be available. Um, if you want to stay connected, please, here are links to um, our social media, newsletters, um, and also you can join a, a, our peer review interactive. It's been currently renamed Peer Review Africa WhatsApp group, um, where we uh, currently we continue posting um, um, information and resources around uh, peer review that can be available to you and you can uh, chat and meet other, other uh, researchers and, and um, fellow uh, uh, scientists. So thank you all so much for uh, for joining and I'll guess I had it I'll stop sharing and uh, 
if anyone has any final remarks, you can. We are at the end of 90 minutes, but thank you. Thank you all so much. So thank you so much for today. And I really appreciate the time you took to join us. We are over 90 minutes. It was a very riveting conversation and we look forward to sharing the recording with you and getting more of your views in regards to uh, how we can make peer review more inclusive. With that, ladies and gentlemen, good morning, wherever you are, or good evening. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Mazam Gumzo Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers, policymakers, higher education leaders, and innovators on their journeys. See you in our next episode.